Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Manchester United fans, welcome to this Manchester is Red podcast from me, Sam Hutchison at the Manchester Evening News. Today I'm joined by Tyrone Marshall. How are we Tyrone? I'm good, thank you Sam. I'm very good. Looking forward to uh, another weekend of, of Premier League football after a pretty difficult week for United, I think it'd be fair to say. Yes, it's, it's not been a straightforward week, shall we say, for Man United. But we've got plenty to dive into straight away here. I mean... Where should we start other than the mounting up injury issues? There's just been so many this week specifically. What do you have to say about that? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's you know, there's been a lot of small ones this um, this this season, pre-season already. Obviously, Maguire last week, McTominay um, missed a little bit of, of pre-season, I think, with injury. But obviously, this week it's it's become more serious. Mason Mount picked up an injury against Tottenham. He came off in that game, and I think we all thought he came off because. He was basically anonymous after a good first 15 minutes, second half particularly. Whether that was to do with his injury, maybe. Although, you know, he, he was pretty anonymous at at times against Wolves as well. Um, so he picked up an injury there, it seems. Nothing was mentioned post-match, but obviously it's come out since then that he's going to miss at least the next two games until the international break, um, which is, is maybe a blessing in disguise. We'll, we'll maybe touch on that later, but the midfield was clearly... Uh, a bit of an issue, but the, I mean the Luke Shaw one that, that broke last night is just a a huge, huge blow. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The the defence and the goalkeeper is the one area of this team that looked pretty settled. I know Ten Hag's picked the same team for two games, but the midfield's been overrun and they've not been scoring enough goals going forward. So midfield and attack probably needed looking at the defence. You just said go again. They've defended pretty well. Anana's been good, but now to have Shaw, who is undoubtedly one of the best players under Ten Hag out injured for, for maybe you know maybe a couple of months, maybe more, is is just a massive blow, especially at a time when Tidal Malassia is injured as well. Um you know, Ten Hag kinda of hinted today that he might be back in a couple of weeks, but he's not played in preseason. I don't think he's I don't think he's trained at all since since the start of preseason. He's gonna be a good few weeks behind in terms of match fitness and, and getting ready. So they're without a senior left back you would say for at least a month, maybe six weeks. They've just let Literally just yesterday, left their let their third choice left back Brandon Williams go on loan. Um, now that that probably happened maybe a couple of hours before Shaw picked up this injury. Um, you know it shows how, how how the quirk of fate these things can be sometimes. I don't know whether that would have influenced Ten Hag's thinking had he known. Obviously Williams has been nowhere near it in pre season, and, and Ten Hag made it pretty clear he was looking for something new, and that's why he wasn't picking him last week. But 
he is at least a left back with Premier League experience and now United don't really have that they're going to be forced into makeshift solutions so it is you know, it, it, the injuries are are mounting. It, it kind of adds up to this whole and on off the pitch, on and off the pitch rather. Things have been a bit of a mess so far this season, and you know when it when it rains, it pours, and the water, the metaphorical water, is is pouring through that leaky roof at Old Trafford at the moment because all sorts of things are are going wrong, and Tenag can't catch a break at the moment. No, I mean obviously there is another left back in the squad. Tenag hasn't shown too much faith in Alvaro Fernandez. Is it likely that he could make his debut against Forrest? I would think, uh, uh, probably not, I would say. I, I would be amazed if it wasn't Dallo coming in at left-back and, and Wambasaka staying at right-back. Dallo has played at left-back before. You wouldn't say it's his best position, but he has done it. Um, you know, when, when the role involves inverting, as we like to say about full-backs now, you know, the, the lack of a left-footer isn't necessarily as big an issue. Um, so I would think it would be Dallow. I don't even know whether Fernandez would get on the bench, to be honest, because uh, Maguire obviously wasn't on the bench last week. He might be fit enough to return this week. Leaves you without full-back cover, really, but Lindelof could do a job at right-back. Martinez maybe at left-back. So so I don't know. I mean, the interesting one with Fernandez would be what they do in terms of a departure now, because there's been a lot of interest in him. Granada were, were seemingly leading the chase yesterday. It could go on loan or permanently. It was viewed over the last over the next week, so that might change. I'm guessing, depending on if they look for a left back. Um, but Ten Tenag has been absolutely ruthless with the academy, and especially with players of Fernandez's age when they get to twenty. And it's you know it, it probably is an age where if you're not playing for United now, if you're not very close to the first team, then there is little point in in staying because it, it probably needs to happen now. Um, and we, we saw it last year we kind of got a hint of his approach last year with Ghana when I think everyone thought he'd stay around it and, and Tenag just took a look at him and said no not good enough at the moment off you go um, and he's you know he's done the same this year with you think back to last pre-season and Zidane Iqbal and Charlie Savage were the big winners both looked good in central midfield both gone for fairly small fees this year it is very much a case of if you're good enough, you'll get chances. If you're old enough, you're good enough, but you've got to be good enough first. And it seems he's deciding a lot of them aren't good enough. And with Fernandez, he's had a good look in pre-season and you get the impression that he's maybe decided not not quite ready. The fact United are open to, to a permanent transfer in the last week of the window suggests that's the case. And I think if he's not even on the bench tomorrow, it, it's probably an indication that maybe a move will still be on, especially if they can get some kind of replacement in for sure. Yeah, I mean, we were looking at free agents just before we went live here yeah. and there really isn't that many free agent options. I, there's not a name that jumps out to me as a replacement left-back that could be a realistic option, say, if Man United want to go back into the market. Obviously, our chief Man United writer, Samuel Luckhurst, has written a piece today saying that Man United are looking to go back into the market for possibly a replacement left-back. Malassia hopefully won't be out for too lo- much longer, is it really worth going for a replacement left-back at this stage of the window? Or is it worth making do with Diogo Dallo, like you suggested? Lissandro Martinez has played there previously in his career. Could we see him even play a couple of minutes at left-back with Lindelof coming into the central of defence? Uh, I mean, the Martinez thing is certainly an option. I think that the problem with that is you lose so much from the centre of defence in terms of build-up and, and a left-footed build-up option as well and Martinez's passing is absolutely brilliant and 
I think moving him to left back, you just lose so much of that that I think that'll be down the list of, of priorities. That'll be real emergency case stuff, I think. In terms of a signing, you know, it's it's got to be someone who's good enough and can come in and, and make an impact. Otherwise it's it's really not worth it. We were kind of in this position in, in January when you know, United were, were skint, essentially, and, and had to sign Sabitzer, who did okay, and, and Vegost on loan. And, you know, I mean, Vegost just offered nothing, really. Two goals in the cup in 31 games. And there's an argument that one of the kids in the team, in, in the academy could have done better than that across those 31 games. Um, you know, obviously he offered more than just his goals, but it, it is it does seem maybe unnecessarily it really does depend on the, the quality of player available I mean Ryan Bertrand's a name that's been mentioned already today he's not played in in 612 days a competitive game his last game was was for Leicester in the League Cup in before Christmas December 2021 I mean that is for a 34 year old who's had knee surgery since then which is why he's not played to have gone very close to, to two years you know what we're like 20 20 months now without playing a competitive game, there's no way he's going to be ready to play for Manchester United anytime soon. So that, for me, just doesn't make any sense. Even if you sign him this week, he probably needs six weeks at least of training and a few under-21 games to be anywhere near ready to play in, by which point Malassia will probably be back. We don't really know the length of his injury, but Ten Hag seemed to suggest today he would be back. Sure, if it is two months, won't be far away, so... You know, it's got to be someone better than Bertrand. Signing Bertrand would just be literally signing someone to, to have in the squad. He, you know, he won't even be on the bench, I don't think, for, for a month to six weeks at least. So that makes no sense at all to me. If they need, if they want left-back cover, and we're both injured, you can kind of understand why they do. It's got to be someone who who offers something. Otherwise, you just stick with Dallow. You keep Fernandez in as the emergency option and, and you try and muddle through because... This is part of, of being a football manager, really. These things can happen. You want you want two players for every position. Very occasionally, both will get injured. Just find a solution. Um, you know, Ten Hag suggested that today, and the solution isn't always in the transfer market. Um, we, you know, Weggott is a fine example that sometimes signing a body just for a body's sake really um, really isn't worth it and, and doesn't doesn't particularly matter. So, yeah, I think it's it, it it's a fine balance in terms of who's available and left-back that doesn't feel like there's a load of names available, really. No. I mean, you mentioned earlier on that Mount's injury may be... A, every cloud has a silver lining with Mount's injury. Who do you think will come in for him? Because somebody's got to replace Mason Mount. It hasn't really been working in midfield in the first two games of the season. Obviously, Forest are probably a better side than Wolves. They're not quite as good as Spurs, but the midfield was ran all over by Bissouma and Saar at Spurs. Who's going to come in for Mason Mount? And do you think there's a, an option for someone to really make a name for themselves to be the first choice, even when Mount is fit? I, I'm not. I'm not sure. I think when Mount's back, he'll be he'll be back in the team, and we'll have that midfield three again of, of Casemiro, Mount, and Fernandez. But it's it's definitely not been working. And Ten Hag was pretty defensive of the midfield in his press conference today, and, and defensive of Casemiro. Um, you know, he basically said the analysis of the midfield was wrong and that there was issues everywhere on the pitch. But for me, it, it starts with midfield for sure. And they've not they have not looked good enough and not looked sharp enough, fit enough, energetic enough in, in the first couple of games. They were they were totally overrun by Wolves. They started quite well as at Tottenham, but as soon as Tottenham put a bit of pressure on, 
the gaps in that midfield were, were pretty alarming. Um, the lack of physicality and energy there was pretty alarming. Casemiro, as much as Tanag is saying, his stats against Wolves were, were brilliant. I'm not really seeing it at the moment. He looks sluggish to me. Um, he looked sluggish when he came in last season. So maybe it'll just take him a bit of time to get going. But at the moment, he doesn't quite look there. And then the, it's clear tactically they've, they've moved it on a bit this year. They're pressing much more aggressively as a unit. And Casemiro is so high up the pitch at times. He's United's deepest midfielder, but sometimes that's 15 yards inside the opposition half. And they do, <coughs> excuse, <coughs> excuse me, they're just being bypassed a little bit too easily, I think, at the moment. Um, and, and something's got to change. And I, I think Ericsson would be the one to come in for Mount. Personally, I would, and I know this, this is not going to be a, a popular choice. Anyone driving at the moment, grab hold of that steering wheel and, and anyone out for a run or whatever, try and stay on the pavement. But I would bring in McTominay for, for Mount and just look to, to shore things up, bringing that physicality, that, that edge, that steel that's been missing, really. And partly with a view to next week as well, because I think if you go in next week with Casemiro, Eriksson and Fernandes and, and they're still in the same kind of form, that midfield is going to get battered by Arsenal on, on current form. There's, there's no two ways about it. Um, you know, Havertz, Rice, and uh, Odegaard could could just run all, run all over that midfield, um, especially if they are playing the same way and, and lacking the same sort of zip and, and energy and organisation. And Eriksson, as good as he was in the first half of last season, we've not really seen it since his injury. And I just think away at the Emirates, I'd, I'd probably rather have McTominay in there alongside Casemiro. And it might not be pretty, but at least there's a bit of you know, there's a bit of energy in there, a bit of fight in there, and it just feels that feels a bit more secure that midfield maybe not as good on the ball but a bit more secure and after the first two games I think that's what they need maybe once this team settled down if this had happened two months down the line and, and the team had settled down you'd probably say Ericsson's the obvious amount of replacement but given where things are at the moment I just think there's an argument to go with McTominay and, and just look to, to calm things down even if it means you grind out a pretty dull 2-0 win against uh, against Forest. It's it's still job done and I think that's the better option rather than bringing Ericsson in and risking another end-to-end open game Forrest have got midfielders like Gibbs White who would look at the space United have been affording players and think I'll have some of that and if that's still there tomorrow you know Forrest might fancy their chances at Old Trafford with the spaces that that have been available so I think I would play it safe and and bring McTominay in but I don't I think Ted Arg will bring Ericsson in I'd be very surprised if it wasn't Ericsson yeah, I mean, I was having a little think the other day and I said, you know, I'd like to see Scott McTominay stay past this summer with what looks like a lot of outgoings coming in and going out of the club and a lot of changeover in that midfield. I feel like Scott McTominay brings something that nobody else in the midfield really does with his energy. Is sort of He can do box to box. And alongside, we haven't really seen him alongside Casemiro, at least I don't remember him being alongside Casemiro in sort of what would be a double pivot at all last season. I think maybe he does deserve a chance to really prove that he has still got a role at Manchester United. Obviously, we will be talking transfers in the second part. So, Man United fans, join us in the second part where we will talk transfers. Welcome back to part two, Man United fans. So, Ty, transfers. I mean, Man United look like they still have quite a busy window to do. There's been links to Altai Bayindir. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. 
what do we know about him? We don't really know too much, you know. But, but what do we know about him coming in from Fenerbahce? Uh, I mean, in terms of what we know about him, we, we know probably his, his age and his height off Wikipedia, and that's about it. Um, it was I'd never heard of the name until it cropped up the other day. You were saying before we came on air that you'd, you'd never heard of the name. Almost the Turkish Super League is not particularly uh, big over here. But he is Fenerbahce's number one. Um, I can't say I know a lot about him stylistic-wise, but I can have a guess given what Ten Hag wants from his keepers. Um, it seems it's something that is probably likely to happen obviously dependent on Henderson going. I mean, that looks an outgoing that is eventually going to happen. I think we've been waiting for it all summer, um, but I think Henderson going is still likely to happen. And and at that point, United will sign Altai Bayinda. Um, it, it seems even more likely that Fenerbahce have already signed his replacement, uh, Croatia's number one, Dominic Lovakovic, who had a pretty good World Cup and is clearly going to Fenerbahce to be first choice goalkeeper. There, there can be no doubt about that. So Bayinda is, is clearly going to go and you'd say United and 99% the, the destination. It's just a case of waiting for for Henderson's departure to be confirmed. He, he's pretty experienced goalkeeper. played five times, I think, for Turkey. Um, signed for Fenerbahce four years ago. Been number one for about three, three and a half years. Played 40 times last season. Um, they did quite well in Europe, I think, last year. Maybe the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Um, maybe the last 16, I think they maybe lost to Sevilla. So maybe it wasn't quarters because that's when United lost to Sevilla. But they had a pretty good... They had a pretty good season anyway. Um, he's clearly good enough to be in around the Turkish setup. He's he's only going to be back up to Anana. Um, and it, it doesn't seem it's going to be a huge fee. There's some uncertainty around the fee. Um, I've been told that he's got a release clause of about €5 million, Euros, but reports in Turkey are saying it's going to be a €6-£7 million Euro fee, so not entirely sure um, exactly what that release clause is and, and whether it's still active or, or there. But either way, it's not, it's not a big fee. Um, even if Henderson goes on a loan with an obligation to buy, United were making a profit across those two deals. Um, so yeah, I think that is one coming, one incoming that is pretty certain to happen over the next um, the next seven days. Yeah, and I mean on Henderson, we've seen a lot of links. He's been linked to Forest pretty much all summer. We've seen links to Crystal Palace in the last week. Where do you think is going to end up a realistic de- destination for him? Because it does look like he is, like you said, going to leave Man United this summer. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I would think one of the two. Obviously, that's pre- pretty obvious. Um, I mean, f- they've they both got okay goalkeepers in goal, I guess. Matt Turner's come in at Forest from from Arsenal has played the first two games. Sam Johnston's played the first two games for Palace. They're both decent keepers, but you you would say they're also potentially both just backup keepers. So, I think both Forest and Palace would see Henderson as as a number one. I guess Forrest, having spent money on Matt Turner this year, could maybe pass up on, on Henderson. Um, they clearly love a transfer at Forrest, so I'm sure they've got another keeper in mind if if that happens. Johnston, Sam Johnston's maybe the weaker link at, at Palace. Um, you would think Henderson's probably got... A, a, they're probably a, a slightly more ambitious club than Forrest as well. They're probably going to finish higher up the table, you'd think. Um so maybe it's it's Palace that are edging it at the moment, but I think both both the clubs where Henderson's going to be number one, and and that is clearly what he wants to do. I think I think I would think both will stay up. Um, certainly, I'd have Palace more likely to stay up than Forest, but I think both will stay up. So you know, I think both are pretty realistic options for for Henderson, and you would expect that to happen. Um, I think you know when when Tom Eaton's injury came about, I think we all thought here we go again with with Henderson, the man who just 
cannot manage to leave Manchester United as much as he's he's wanted to over the last few years. I think it would have been extremely unfair to keep him again to the point that he'd be 27 next year and give him, what, five or six cup games this year. Um, you know, I, th- I think that would have been unfair. That he's, he's got to go with the, the story about how he was told he was going to be number one um, in 2021-22 has been, has been well well versed now. He was pretty unfortunate there, I think, in that he, he got COVID that summer and struggled to get over it. Gave De Gea the chance to start the season in goal and, and it was De Gea's best season recently. So he, he was a little unfortunate with that, but he clearly needs to go and play. And I think whether he goes to Palace or Forest, I think both are pretty pretty decent moves for him. And, and as long as it's alone with an obligation to buy, I think both would be acceptable to United as well. Yeah, I mean, if he, especially if he wants to get back in the England settle. England, yeah. In time for the Euros next summer, you know, he's got to be playing first team regular football. And I think if he isn't going to leave Man United this summer, he's really, is it ever going to happen? You know, we keep seeing these links every, year after year. He was wanted by Ajax when Ten Hag was there. He was wanted by, he's been wanted by multiple clubs, linked to multiple clubs across Europe throughout his time at Man United. And, Nothing permanent's ever materialised. And if he does want to be earning his way into the England setup, he does need to be playing first team regular football. Someone else who really needs to be playing first team regular football to keep his spot in the England setup, Harry Maguire. Well, what is going on with Harry Maguire? What's the latest with his sort of situation? Because there's more reports today that the West Ham move is not completely a closed door. What what can you tell us about Harry Maguire's summer business? if you want I mean as, as things stand at the moment he is staying um, obviously the West Ham move was was pretty close to happening but ultimately fell apart um, you know f- financial issues there in terms of Maguire's wage at United and what West Ham can can offer him um, and they've since as much as it might still be alive West Ham have signed a centre-back since in, in Mavropanos from from Stuttgart um, they spent big on Mohamed Kudus today um, I think they're in the market for someone else who's, I completely forgot who it is now but um, obviously they've got a lot of money to spend but whether that's still on Maguire I'm not sure it would require some sort of agreement I, I know there was a feeling at United in July that they might have to pay some of Maguire's salary to, to get him off the books you know I'm, I'm sure they'll get criticised for that but he is you know, he, he is within his rights. He was given that contract. Um, and ultimately, he, he does really want to stay. I think a large part of him still wants to stay and fight for his place and, and prove prove that he is good enough. I also wonder about Ten Hag's comments. Um, I can't remember the exact word he used, and it, it was while I was away, so I wasn't at the press conference, but when he said about he needs to stay for his, fight his place or if, he, if he's no longer got the fight for that or something like that or the confidence to do that or the fight for it, um, but I did read that and thought if I was Maguire reading that I'd kind of be thinking well actually then you know I'll, I'll prove you're wrong I don't you know I have no idea if Ten Hag regretted that choice of words or not but when it's maybe a player that you're trying to say if he wants to stay he can and fight for his place but deep down you're thinking we'll take the money for him and let him go and, you know, I, I'm not sure it was exactly the right the right choice because it kind of suggested that you know the, the inference you got was that McTominay would basically leave United if he'd given up and if he'd accepted that he hasn't got the fight for it. And as a professional footballer, you know, your pride would look at that and think, well, I'm not going on those terms then. So I do wonder if those comments maybe have had some impact on him staying and just saying, in that case, I'm going to stay and I am going to fight for my place. And we've, you know, we've seen with Sean Malassia, Maguire's 
Maguire's still he's still in there. He's third or fourth choice centre back, and these things can happen. Like they have a left back that suddenly he's playing and might get 10, 15, 20 games in a row. Um, I, I still think it suits every party if he goes really, um, but the longer it goes in this window, probably the less likely it gets. There's obviously Johnny Evans there still as as an option to to come in for a year as fourth choice. I don't think that'd be particularly disastrous for United if it happened. Um, and the fact it hasn't happened yet makes you wonder maybe if it is contingent on Maguire in, in some way, shape or form. But, you know, as things stand, he's staying um, and it's going to take, you know, it's going to take, it's going to take one party at least to to make an effort to to change the situation for that to happen. Either Maguire accepts those reduced terms, either United agree to, to, to pay, give him a payoff and a bit of that extra salary um, or West Ham themselves bump the salary up. So, at the moment, I think it's it's off and it's stuck at an impasse, and it's going to take one of those three parties to to do something different to to get it moving again. I mean, would that leave Man United with a lot more business to do? You know, we we sort of think that Man United aren't done yet in the transfer window. Would that leave United then looking for another right-sided centre half? We've seen a couple of links when Maguire looked like he was on his way to West Ham. We saw links to sort of Edmund Tapsoba, Jean Claire to Debo, and Benjamin Pavard. Obviously, Pavard has since got closer to Inter Milan. Does that leave Man United at square one again, looking for another right-sided centre half if Maguire is to leave? Possibly, possibly. Um, I mean, obviously, like I said, they've got that Evans emergency button to press um, he could do a job as fourth choice but he is 35 coming off the back of a very injury hit season at Leicester um, I think they would probably want a Maguire replacement at some point and the longer it goes in this window without Maguire going the harder that gets obviously whether that's right or left sided I'm not sure that Ten Hag has been very big on this right foot left foot centre back combination which is why we saw Luke Shaw replace Martinez last year rather than Maguire and Lindelof so I wonder whether he might even look at a left footer or at least someone who plays more often on the left um, of a partnership to to replace Maguire. Um, but yeah, it, it, they would potentially want a replacement, and they are kind of running out of time. There's other, you know, there's other departures that are probably more likely. We mentioned Fernandez, um, Van der uh, Eric Bailly at centre back has, has got to go over the next week, and then probably one of Donny Van der Beek or, or Hannibal will go as well. And I think even if Maguire goes, I wonder if. Ten Hag might feel it's more pressing to get another midfielder in, and whether you know whether that will will take precedence over a, over a centre back at the moment. I mean, on midfielders, then Van der Beek it looks like he's been on the edge of a move for a couple of weeks now. Real Sociedad were heavily linked with Van der Beek as their David Silva replacement. That's gone very quiet, and also on Hannibal, I thought he was quite impressive in pre season. He came on, he really showed a bit of heart and played quite well in the limited minutes he did get. What's sort of the situation there? And can you see Man United signing another midfielder, possibly this window? I, I think it's a possibility for sure. Um, you know, Sofian Amrabat at Fiorentina, I think is now, now training alone or was this week and, and wasn't in Fiorentina's squad for for their European game, I think it was. Um, that clearly hints there's a possibility he's leaving a lot of that has been driven by the press in Italy over this summer, and I think it's you know I think it's fair to say that people within his his camp have been working pretty hard to to link him everywhere. I, I don't think it was a coincidence that Liverpool suddenly became desperate for a number six last week, and stories in Italy appeared that they wanted Amrabat. Um, you know, I think that was the opportunism maybe of 
whether it's his club or, or people around him, desperate to get him a move and, and get him out there. Um, United still seem to be the front runners in, in terms of that deal. He's obviously worked with Ten Hag previously. Ten Hag definitely likes him. It's definitely an option for United, even if it's never been as far advanced as, as those reports in Italy state. It, it clearly, you know, it clearly be a decent signing. It'd add something to United. It'd probably add what that midfield's missing at the moment. Like I said before, that that physicality, that 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 edge, that energy. Um, so I do think that's still a possibility. I think it's dependent on sales still, um, and and that's the the interesting element. I think there was probably a few that one at least one of McTominay or Maguire would go this window. Neither have done. Um, I'm with you. I, I'm not sure selling. McTominay and Fred necessarily in the same window is is a wise move. I know United are kind of moving on for them, but moving on from them. But you know, midway through the second half at Tottenham last week, I looked at that game and thought this is ideal for Fred, and suddenly he's he's not there anymore. So to sell both, I think might have been kind of taking the cull too far. Um, even if we accept McTominay's probably only got twelve months left. In terms of Van der Beek and Hannibal, Van der Beek was pretty close to Real Sociedad, but it has cooled down a bit. It'll be interesting to see whether he's on the bench this this week because obviously there's, there's there was two keepers on the bench last week and two players who were on the bench probably Dallow and Dallow and Eriksson are going to be in the first team so there's going to be people to come in maybe Maguire and then maybe one of Hannibal or Van der Beek. Ten Hag said last week that Van der Beek wasn't on the bench because he wanted something new as did Brandon Williams. Williams has moved on. Van der Beek's still here. He played in that game against Burnley in in midweek so there's a chance maybe he'll be there. I think one of him or Hannibal will go. Maybe only one of them. Um, you know, with with Hannibal, I've often wondered where he fits into a first team environment. He's kind of a, you know, he felt like a bit of a throwback that in in modern midfields there was maybe no real role for him. But I've thought he's done pretty well in pre season, given how often Fernandez plays and how little he needs cover. There's an argument you'd keep Hannibal as as Fernandez's backup almost. Um, but there's definitely a chance he could go in in the last win in the last week of the window. Bruce Dortmund would have been interested. And if, if Van der Beek ends up staying, I think you know I'd be more open to, to selling Hannibal. And it's you know it's another example of, of Ten Hag's approach to, to youngsters really that if you reach twenty and, and you're not you know you're not in the best 15, 16, 17 players at the club, then you're probably going to get sold and and it, maybe it's considered a good time to, to cash in on Hannibal. Yeah, you mentioned Amrabat there. It seems to me like his, his agents have been using Internet Explorer. They've been so slow. They're six months behind when would have been the perfect time to be get looking for a move for Amrabat after such a fantastic World Cup. Obviously, another player that's been linked this week, mainly, mainly for the fact that he's previously worked under Eric Ten Hag, Ryan Gravenberg from Bayern Munich. What's the story around that? Is he someone that Man United are really considering? Yeah, I think he's another name that is definitely on on that list of of potential midfielders. Um, I, I would say he's a different he's a different profile really to to Amrabat. Amrabat's more of a, a six. Um, Gravenberch more of an eight. I would say, um, but I think you know he's, he's definitely a player that's that's on that list and that is under consideration. His situation at, at Bayern Munich's unclear. I mean, Bayern have been pretty adamant, or some of they won't sell. He's obviously you know he's someone Liverpool have looked at for a long long time as well and. They've had the impression all summer that Bayern won't sell. But again, the first, I don't think he's played for Bayern yet this season. I think he's maybe been an unused sub. He's certainly been on the bench for their first few games. So he's, you know, it's maybe something that could change in the final week of the window. If he's going to be nowhere near it for Bayern, he's probably going to want to go and play. 
Um, you know, it's a bit of a cliche now, but Ten Hag clearly likes players he's got some experience of and has, has previously worked with, and Gravenberch is one of them. And he was very highly rated at, at Ajax. It's not worked for him at all, really, at, at Bayern Munich. Um, so you can understand why he would want to reset and a move. So I think, you know, I think that's definitely a possibility and, and one to watch going into the, the final week of the window. I mean, when Gravenberg was at Ajax, he basically filled the spot that was vacated by Donny van der Beek. Mm. And is it just a repeat of that? We'll just have to wait and see and mm. if this move does happen. Anyway, that's the end of part two. In part three, we're going to be previewing the Nottingham Forest game this weekend. Welcome back, Manchester United fans, to part three of the Manchester is Red podcast. Nottingham Forest tomorrow, 3pm Saturday kickoff. What are your initial thoughts, Tyrone? Um, interesting, I think, uh, would be my initial thoughts. It, you know, it's one of those games that has got to be a home banker, but it doesn't feel at the moment it's a home banker. United are on this long unbeaten league run at Old Trafford again. Um, they're, they're pretty solid at home, but... You know the the trouble that Wolves gave them two weeks ago would would be concerning. Wolves having twenty three shots, you know, and an XG of more than two in that game, and then Wolves themselves go and lose four one at home the following week. Even if that's the Brighton, you know, I think I look at Wolves and I think they're almost certainties for relegation this year at the moment. Um, the way things are going, and the fact that they gave United such a game at Old Trafford is is concerning. We've had the injuries since then. There's obviously turmoil off the pitch. You know, doesn't necessarily have an impact, but but it might do. Um, just the, the planned sitting protest after the game, that that obviously shouldn't affect things during the game. But if things do go wrong, I think it's clear that there is the potential for the atmosphere to turn a little bit toxic at the moment. And just you know, just the way United have been playing, it it it, it should be a home banker. It's one that maybe they'll find a way to win. Like I said before, two 0 just go back to a professional performance, grind it out. But with the lack of goals in that team at the moment, with the way the midfield's been malfunctioning, with now the absence of Luke Shaw and, and a bit of a makeshift left left back, um, you know I think there is reason to be concerned. And, and Forest have started the season pretty well. They they were certainly not disgraced in losing two one at Arsenal. Got that last minute winner against Sheffield United last week. That's that's the, that's the kind of game that they definitely need to win if they're to stay up comfortably this year. So I think they will come here and, and probably look at it and think the way you know the way United are playing, we've got half a chance of, of taking the game to them. Yeah, I mean Forest look a lot better than Wolves at the very least, and mm. we saw how much of a problem Matthias Cunha caused Man United's midfield yeah. in what is a poorer Wolves side. Are we just going to see a repeat of that with Morgan Gibbs White? Let's hope not. At the very least, they do play very similar positions. Obviously, mm. in terms of team changes, obviously there's the injuries. Mount and Shaw won't be playing. We'd, we've already discussed that. In attack, it's just not been working for Man United in the first two games of the season. Is there any changes there that are realistic and possible? I mean, I, I would look to make one to get Rashford back on the left. I think so. You know, so much of this season is is contingent on on improving that goal output, and Rashford needs to get close to thirty again, which I think is a big ask. They need Hoyland to hit the ground running. Um, now that I think it's an argument already that this season is so much of this season's success is down to Anthony being a lot better than last season and Hoyland hitting the ground running and, and both of those are probably uncertainties 
Anthony's not started the season brilliantly. I think there's you know, there's no doubt he keeps his place, but he's not he's not started the season well. Rashford's been pretty ineffectual at centre forward. Um, so I, I would look to make a change. I'd look to get Rashford back on the left and, and maybe get him back in those positions where he's, he's facing goal rather than his back to goal. The, I guess the issue there is what you do at centre forward. Marshall, we know Hodgkin's not going to be in the squad. Martial got you know five. Well, you say five. He got, I think he got six minutes last week, but as usual, there was nine minutes injury time, so he got a quarter of an hour really. He played against Burnley on Tuesday, I think it was, in that that three 0 defeat at Carrington. That behind closed doors. That behind closed yeah. doors game, yeah. So he's he's got a lot of football in his system now. He's been back in training since the second week of the preseason tour in San Diego. I think it was July the twenty fourth, the Monday in San Diego, when Tenag said he was back in training that day. So that's a month now. So you would really like to think he's ready to start a game, even if he's only got fifty five minutes in him at least it gets Rashford on the left. So so that is what I would be, be looking for, really, to, to maybe bring Martial in, um, get Rashford on the left and, and drop Ganacho to the bench because, as you know, this was, felt like an opportunity for Ganacho. He was really good in, in that last pre-season game at Old Trafford against Lons, but it's not happened for him so so far. And I was, I was a bit disappointed in him against Tottenham, to be honest. I thought he had so much space on the left against Pedro Porro. Porro never got near to him, gave Ganacho so many opportunities to run in it, run at him and the end product just wasn't there. So I think he would you know, he would be my fall guy if, if Martial was fit to, to kind of change that attack and most importantly get Rashford in the position I think he looks most dangerous at the moment. I mean, Garnacho was quite unlucky, arguably, to not get, well, to not see his, his shot turned into a penalty at the very least. Yeah. With that Romero handball, was it handball, was it not? Mm. I mean, I would probably pitch for the same is it likely we can see Sancho start in that false nine that he played in pre-season it's it's a clearly a four in Ten Hag's head but is it a real option that Ten Hag's willing to use in a Premier League fixture we just aren't really sure at this point is Martial the only player that we're not really sure where Ten Hag sits on sort of his future at Man United he's always in his press conferences he's always really complimentary you know he just says he's always got a role and then even when he is fit to start we don't see him or he'll come on for the last five minutes of a game like you say is Martial what do we think Ten Hag's really doing with Martial is he just trying to get him fit trying to get him back match fit again so he can at least play a little bit of a role this season as a rotation for Hoyland or is he just not a big fan and he just won't say it I I actually think he really likes him. Um, I think there's a degree he's being handled very carefully, but you, you know you can't handle someone that carefully. They need to be robust enough to to be playing games. We saw it last season when he missed quite a, quite a, quite a while. In the second half of last season, he had a decent period out after the the City game when he played 45 minutes against City and came off at half time, and he was handled so carefully then coming back into the team. First half of last season, they actually thought he was really good. He, he was again on and off with injuries. I mean, he missed. I think he missed twenty nine games last year with five separate injuries, and that is clearly not sustainable. That has to change. He needs a full season of playing. Um, but I thought he was good last season. Ten Hag, you know, Ten Hag has always been complimentary, and I think he's been he's been so complimentary that it's more than just you know trying to suggest to, to potential buyers this is a great player or whatever. It's several times now we said that Martial's the kind of player that makes everyone else better. He makes the system work. In in that um, press conference in San Diego, we called him a brilliant football player. Um, and you know, I know that in the first 
pre-season tour last year when they had, you know, when he was fit and he played a lot of games, that Tenag and his staff were really impressed with his pressing, which might sound a strange thing to say when, when fans look at Martial and think he's lazy, but they they felt that his his pressing was was very intelligent and spot on, really. And, you know, pressing isn't about doing what Bruno Fernandes does at times and losing your head and just chasing the ball. That is, you know, that's disastrous pressing. It's it's pressing with a structure and knowing when to press that that Guardiola, Klopp, Ten Hag, Pochettino, these managers want. They don't want headless chickens chasing the ball. And I know, you know, I know for a fact that Ten Hag and his coaches were very impressed with Martial knowing when to press, knowing when his pressing triggers were, what angles to press at, things like that. Um and, you know, I, I do think he I do think he actually likes him as a player, but obviously he's he's got to be fit enough. And he's also you know, I think if there's if there's one criticism, I, th- I wonder maybe if Ten Hag and his his coaches think that he doesn't he doesn't play through pain enough. Maybe this is what happens when you have the injuries that Martial does that you begin to think everything's an injury that that could get worse. So I do think it's a big year for him. He's got a year left with that option on his contract. It might be that in come January, United are taking the option and just looking to sell him in the summer if it's not working again, but. If he can stay, you know, I would like to see him stay fit for a full season under Ten Hag, and just and just see what happens because I do feel that Ten Hag likes him as a player. Um, but if he has another season like last year, where he's having three, four, five different injury problems that, that keep him out for 18, 20 games, then you know I think it's game over. Yeah, before we came on air, we were saying you know Marshall's clearly a good footballer mm. and with the addition of Hoyland he's not going to be the first choice striker you wouldn't have thought going into well when Hoyland is fit I would like to see Martial play a bit more football because we know there's a good footballer in there and we know that you know he's he is a talent and he can make a difference to this United side and probably revitalise this attack that so clearly needs revitalising someone else who needs revitalising Anthony I was watching the game against Spurs with a couple of my mates who are United fans and they were just so disappointed. They know that he's got this skill, but they just don't see it enough. And I mean, me and you don't see it either, but from our standpoint, it's, you can sort of look past it. You know, these United fans that are expecting so much of Anthony, they're just not seeing it. This was his season to sort of kick on and become a hundred million pound player, which is what he should be for a, what was it? 85 million pounds. What do you think is going wrong? And do you think it's maybe a, a chance for Eric Ten Hag to sort of take him out the side and see what, see what he can do to sort of fix Anthony's game at the minute? Uh, I, I think he'll stay in the team. I think Ten Hag's got incredible faith in Anthony. I think he feels that last season, the conditions weren't there for him to, to succeed really that he needs this this striker like Hoyland this strong physical presence that can hold the ball up and and get Anthony running into better positions um he like I say he needs a big second season I think that he did just enough last year I think to say that the jury was out that it was an okay season without ever looking like an 85 million pound winger and obviously he's damned a little by that price tag because United you know United will accept they overpaid for him and they could have got him for 25 30 million pound less probably six, seven weeks earlier in that window and ended up essentially being ripped off by Ajax and just agreeing to Ajax's demands. So that kind of brings its own pressure, that price tag. But he didn't he didn't look like that kind of player last year. His you know, his 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 skill is pretty ineffectual 
really. It's it's more of a showboating skill, but he he just he needs to influence games more often. Whether that's running at defenders, cutting inside, producing goals and assists, there needs to be more. I thought he finished preseason pretty well, but again, we've not seen it in the league yet, and that end product just has to get better this year. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see him with Hoyland in the team with that kind of physical hold up number nine and, and whether that does bring more out of him but you know I mentioned it before and, and you're right that this is a big second season for him and it does feel like a lot of a lot of whether this season will be a success or not and kind of how we're judging Ten Hag and transfers is going to be dependent on on Anthony and, and what our views are of him at the end of this season and if it comes to you know if, if at that point we're looking at eight, United spent £85 million on a winger who just can't cut it then that's you know that's obviously going to be a problem for Ten Hag. If he does kick on and improve suddenly, then his his eye for a player continues to to look good and, and impress, and he continues to get his own way in the market. So I think I think it's pressure on Anthony this year, and I think that brings a little bit of pressure on on Ten Hag to get the best out of him as well. Yeah, and I mean, last but not least, Palistri. He's actually looked energetic, exciting when he's come off the bench. Do you think he deserves a bit more of a chance? Maybe not this weekend, but going into the future of the season, do you think Palistri's... Because at the start of the year, at the start of the summer, it looked like alone might be the most realistic destination for Palistri. Now it looks like Eric Ten Hag's really thinking about con- including him into his match day squads at the very least and into the future of the United team. What's the sort of situation there? Do you think he's good enough to start putting a bit of pressure on Anthony? Do you think he's good enough to start putting a bit of a thought in Eric Ten Hag's head, you know, maybe Palistri is what we need on the right side of attack. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it's unlikely. I think Ahmad is the more likely. Obviously, he's got a, a pretty serious injury at the moment, um, and I, I don't know how impressed Ten Hag was with him with what we saw in pre-season. But you know, I think Palistri is something different. He's he's a right-footed right winger, a bit of a throwback in that sense. He's he's very direct. Um, you know, I, I would be perfectly happy seeing him stay in the squad and it'd be a bench option and just someone a bit different this year. Equally, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he did go on loan somewhere this week and, and play. Obviously, he still needs games. He is, you know, he's, I think he's 21 now. He needs to be playing games. He's, he's, he's I think he's probably played for United more than Uruguay now, but it, it's a pretty close run thing. And it was Uruguay that were winning that, that contest by the time he came back from the World Cup pretty easily because he hadn't even played for United at that point. So... You know, I think we when he does play, I think we see him influence games and, and do things and, and cause defences problems. So it would be good to see him, especially with Palestri with uh, Ahmad's injury. You know, maybe we do see him stay around and, and influence games as that 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 kind of point of difference as a sub. And with nine subs now, there's enough to, to carry someone like that. He might only get on in one in three games. So, you know, I think he's good enough to be a squad member. I don't think he'd be anywhere close to to getting in the team ahead of Anthony, but certainly as a squad member, it'd be it'd be good enough. But like I say, I'd, if we're sitting here next Friday and he's gone on loan somewhere, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. And on Ahmad, I'm a massive fan of Ahmad, understandably. I think he's brilliant. This injury's just come at the wrong time for him, hasn't it? I mean, he was looking to make a thought in Eric Ten Hag's head, you know, Ahmad can really be if not the first choice option, the backup option, playing because Man United are likely to play nearly 60 games again this season, maybe even over 60 games again this season. There's going to need to be rotation in every position. Ahmad's injury is just so unfortunate for him to come at this time. But 
for Forest, what would be your starting eleven? You choose any score predictions, anyone you really want to look out for from Forest. I mean, I would I would make those those two enforced changes. Um, you know, I, th- I think Dallow's a certainty to replace Shaw. Like I said, I'd go for McTominay, but I think Ericsson is is close to a certainty to replace Mount. And then I would, if he's fit enough, start Martial and, and bring him in for Garnacho. I think that that'd be the changes. You know, the score predictions, it, it's a difficult one the way United are playing and if they remain so open, I mean, I think I think a 2-0 win would, would be great. You know, I think United fans would snap their hands off. I think Tenag would, would snap hands off now for that just to look look secure at the back and get through it and, and get the win. But we know Forrest have got players. We mentioned Gibbs-White, um, Brennan Johnson going forward, Tayo Awanyi back in the last season seemed to really find his feet at Forrest and, you know, he scored... Scored in both their games so far this season, so he's a real threat. Yeah, he scored in six straight so far. I see, six right, straight. okay. He's, yeah, so these two, you know, he's a real threat as a number nine and they've, they've got some dangerous players going forward. So I do think it's going to be, it's going to be a test for United. So if they can get, if they can get a win with a clean sheet, I think that'll be a, a pretty successful afternoon. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think a win here is going to be, with such an injured and depleted squad, I think a win here is the most important thing. Obviously, it's the most important thing. It's a game of football. But I do think it's going to be a lot more difficult than the Wolves game was. They aren't as good as Spurs. You know, Spurs have looked really good under Ange. I would have to say a narrow win as well. But Man United fans, thank you for listening to this episode of the Manchester is Red podcast with me, Sam Hutchison and Tyrone Marshall. Check us out on Twitter at Sam Hutchmen and Tyrone, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, at Ty Marshall, M-E-M. And thank you for watching or listening. See you next time.